Blog Talk Radio. Again, this is Helena Steiner-Hornstein. Or if you want to call me like some people do, Helena Margareta. But I kind of, I'm leaving that again because uh, I used that in the beginning because some people thought that Helena Steiner-Hornstein was too complicated to remember, too difficult to spell and all this. No, it's not. And then some other people said, oh, no, how do you have to keep it? It's so beautiful. So you can never please 100% of the people. And I said that before, and I said it again. Anyway, great to be with you again. Thank you for tuning in. I am going to talk about things like truth, because... I have been so bothered by the truth or the lack of truth these days. Well, I know I'm a different generation. I was brought up at the time when truth actually mattered. You brought up your children to believe in the truth, to honor the truth, to honor, to love, you know, to obey, (laughs) that kind of thing. You believe in truth. What happened? It's not there anymore. And it's turned into some kind of power game. The truth, oh no, it doesn't matter. Follow the one who is just taking power by not using the truth. That's what it is. And all these, how should I say, waves of untrue that's spooking our planet. That so much bothers me because I have to work on a particular level all the time, every day, with a certain level of truth. And that is the clarity of life. Once you forget what truth is about, I think we are going downhill with everything That is not the thing. Truth is not always pretty. And maybe that is the reason why we don't like the truth. Because truth is inconvenient. My God, is it inconvenient. You can actually not tell the truth to people. It's not nice. When someone said, well, should I wear this coat? You know, and you say, oh, yes, it's good. And you say, oh, no, this is a very ugly coat. But you're ugly anyway, so who cares? That would be a truth. But then the other truth is there is no such thing as ugly, ugly many times. I can say about people, about someone, he's ugly. It doesn't really mean he's ugly, ugly in his face to look at. But deep down, there is an ugliness of this lack of truth within that person. And to me, that is ugly. And that's very truthful, what I'm saying. And you who know me, you know I am 
kind of sometimes very embarrassing, embarrassingly uh, truthful. <laughs> but that's the way I am, and that is the way I also channel the information I'm getting. So, who is right in all this? Well, now we have started to believe that the one in power is the truth. Even if they know in their soul, no, those in power don't always have the truth. But the truth about them is so inconvenient. So because of the fear to be different, you follow this ugliness of the untruth. Well, did you get that? It was a little bit compact, a little bit maybe hard to digest. But the thing is that the truth is held back all the time because of fear. And that is how certain powers have handled power over others through holding back the truth. And that is what we see today. We see it in politics. And I live in America and I love America. And I see how the truth is held back all the time. But now going to Europe and seeing, I see the same thing coming up there too, popping up. And how we support those leaders who are not living the truth in any way. What is happening with us? Are we now getting so weak? There used to be, I lived in Germany for a long time, and I was married to a German philosopher. And uh, he eventually died, not of old age, but because he was in an accident. But he used the word, the word civil, civil courage a lot, which is like civil courage. Well, I'm not sure we understand that in English. But it means that you, how should I say, you have a strong feeling, a courage of believing in your convictions. It's more than a common sense. It's just severe courage is the courage of your convictions. You stand up for that. And that was what he said he loved about me. So much that I stood up for my truth <laughs> and I once dared in the community where we lived at that <laughs> to tell the actually the, the um, mayor of that city I told him straight out this was socially not in public but I told him straight out you are lying <laughs> my god you know everyone kind of around and my husband who was with me wanted to sink through the floor. But then as the person I, I, I managed to switch that around a little bit and I said yes you are but you did it because. So I kind of handled that somehow. I'm a Sagittarius and we are expert in kind of goofing things up a bit and being clear and being straight out honest. But we are also masters in kind of mastering this way of turning things around. So yes, but 
I know the mayor got the point, but I didn't want the others, you know, to see that around him the same way. I just kind of switched things around. So I was happy, he was happy, and my husband got his color back in his face. So <laughs> this was the way. But we have to stick with the truth a little bit more because if you kind of swallow the real truth and go for the untruth all the time, it's going to affect your body. It's going to give you those sicknesses, those cancers of darkness within you. And that place that suffers the most from you holding back the truth, if it's your liver or if it's your heart, they are going to get affected. So in your own interest, start to talk truth. Truth is not a bad idea. Well, if you look at the world, it's a difficult world to be truthful in. Because, again, as I said, the truth is terribly inconvenient for special interests out there. So commercially and politically, truth is something they want to hide. But we cannot allow the big corps, the big corporations, to rule our health and our lives all the time. And this is what we are doing, and we are allowing them to do that. Do you know that America is the sickest civilized country in the world? Well, you also have a medical system that is fantastic with all these medical favors and medications and surgeries and everything. But do you realize that thousands and thousands and thousands of people die because of, they, well, they said the number somewhere, which was 300,000 people a year, which was documented. It was silenced down and taken away immediately. But for a brief moment, it was out there officially. And they died because of medications. Isn't that sad that it has to continue this way? And I didn't even plan on saying these things. But uh, there is something in the Bible I kind of live by in a way. And that is, you should know them by their fruits in Matthew 7.20. Because I look at people and their purposes in their words very much. And I go back to that saying, you should know them by their fruits, and that some will see what they are representing and what they have represented all along. Because the fruit of their lives, what they have produced, is inside of their hearts. That is the truth of their intention. It's actually fantastic to know what the truth is sometimes. Once you know even those old-fashioned sayings from the Bible, we have been taught from the start, I was myself also, that the Bible was just the book of Christianity. It's not. It actually, particularly now, Old Testament, it never was. It was not put together by 
Christianity. When it was written, Christianity didn't even exist. It's history. It's wisdom. It's old, old wisdom. And what the prophets say in the New Testament, you have all these beautiful words of of wisdom. And once you go back to that, and once you live according to that, once you live according to the Ten Commandments that some people reject because they say it's religion, isn't that amazing that those people who don't know the truth are the ones who are the decision makers in our culture? Have you thought about that? Those who represent ignorance in certain subjects are now becoming the spokesmen for that subject. And they are the least trained, the least experienced, and the least knowledgeable in that particular subject. I keep on just sitting here with my mouth open. (laughs) How on earth did that happen? Well, it's because we are looking at the powers out there. We are allowing those in the positions of power to rule our lives. What happened to your civic courage, you know? What happened to what you are convinced of? Why do you have to swallow your convictions? I see that with women mostly because women are so much more spiritual than men are. Oh, men, you're spiritual too. And some of you are actually well beyond many women I know. So I'm not trying to separate that. But nature has given women the spiritual muscle. Whereas nature has given men the physical muscle. That's what it is. That was made that way for our survival. Women had to take care of, you know, the the young ones. And to make sure we could survive on the planet. On the planet. Just through holding up that life through their nurturing, through their intuition of how to feed them, how to take care of it, and that. Whereas men were created to go out and carry the burden of the food home, you know, to go and get the food out there, which was, you know, either to grow it in the fields or to go and hunt for it out there. So that's why men are still the hunters. You see that all along. I see that in the conquest of women. You are still the hunters. You are the ones who go and look for women more than women go and look for for the men. Well, nowadays things are beginning to change a bit. So maybe I think these last few sentences were kind of unnecessary to, to kind of bring out. So... That is, you know, the truth. So what I'm trying to say, the truth is quiet. The truth doesn't scream out. I'm the truth. The truth is like a wave that comes in and just separates itself over everything, trying to get in 
with each one of you. It is an energy of love and light, of information. It is actually a form of knowledge, of common sense. It means taking responsibility. It is also part of the power game. The truth is absolutely wonderful if you could start to play on that. Why is your fear coming over you? I see now among the presidential candidates in the United States, the ones who talk about the truth and who just try to make people see the truth, they don't get the followers the way like those who or the one more who speak who speaks untruth, who gets the biggest following. Can you explain that people? I mean that there's something wrong with us if you don't like the truth anymore. It's simply a denial of yourself and your being and your inner convictions because I know within you you have convictions if you are following the truth. Now, we cannot win 100% all over the planet because everyone has to have a certain energy they represent. But to be truthful is that we grow on our mistakes. We do make mistakes. And we may just go for the wrong convictions at times. But then... We grow from that. It's so interesting how experience is the actual truth machine in all this. Because the experience will eventually open your mind and set you free. I'm thinking also about, do you remember the truth, the talk, the TV talk show? <laughs> I mean, I say he was both, but he was on TV for many years, for over 30 years, and uh, with his evening show, and uh, in the United States, and then he decided to retire. He did this very big evening show after he had done another show. I don't know if it was a radio, TV, or whatever, but he did that for a few years, and then he got into the TV show, and he said when he started that TV show, he believed he knew absolutely everything. He was a young man in, I believe, in his 30s, and he was just confident. And I know this, I've done this for a few years already. I know the field, and he was kind of boasting about himself. Then, 30 years later, when he decided he was now ready to retire, he said to his audience, do you know, when I entered this field, when I entered this particular, when I started this evening show, I believed I knew everything about this market, about this technical field, about how to do it. And now after 30 years, I realize I know absolutely nothing. This is what you call it. You know so much, you feel you know nothing. 
<laughs> so that is the reason why those who know nothing are always the experts out there who believe everything. They don't have the experience yet. They haven't been out there. They know everything in a little bit that they know then, here and there. But they haven't gotten that experience all those years ahead of them, where they haven't been yet. So can you imagine how important truth is? Talking about myths. That is so much ongoing. Basically, originally goes back to history and fairy tales and about leprechauns. We go back to fairy tales with giants and with fairies and trolls and everything out there. But then, how real are they, actually? What is a myth? Well, when I tell you a typical myth is when we were young, and then, you know, here we were maybe 12, 12, 13, 14 year old girls, and we followed an old myth about earwigs. <laughs> that little insect earwig looks like a kind of inch-long Scorpio, <laughs> with those big claws somehow, they're awful. They have millions of feet, you know, and this kind of tail, I don't know, they're disgusting. But you see them very much in the greenery uh, uh, outside, on your walls and so on. And then, particularly in Sweden where we grew up, those used to come in through the open window and in through the house and sometimes get into the, crawl into the bed. They were not meat-eaters, I don't think. I don't know. They were the greenery. But now there was this myth about these earwigs. And if you hear this, and you heard this too, there is no scientific, scientific foundation for that. We would say, oh, those earwigs, those, those awful little creatures, they would climb in through ears or in through your nose. If they came in through your nose, they would eat through the nose and come into your brain, and you would, you would have no brain anymore. Or they would come in through your ears, and then they would come in and they would eat your optic nerve. They would eat it all up, and then that snips it and eat it, and you would go blind. This was a myth about those poor little creatures <laughs> that only would eat greens. But this was spreading, and that was all based on fear. Such an easy little thing. But I mention this because there are many of those little things that we have created as a myth about people, about, about beliefs, about spirits, about spirituality, about religions out there. It's so much of the false information that we have created into some kind of truth. So that's why it's kind of hard to make a truth out of things. So that's why this scientific logic is actually very important. I had a long talk. It was kind of getting heated, I think, because I talked to someone the other day, and he decided... Logic is the top of everything. That is everything. And to me, you know, for me, there is a universe 
full of even more possibilities. Of course, totally uncontrollable and totally for us human beings without logic. So, of course, I couldn't agree. And he wouldn't agree with me, with me because that was just nonsense. Of course, it was all BS. And all science that went out there in, in the space, you know, our empty universe, it was all also BS. So then I just said, we would never change. He would never change. I would never change. I loved this conversation. But the basic idea is we're all right, depending on where you stand, depending on your knowledge. He based everything on his knowledge. And I don't know, but I think he was probably a civil engineer. And he, he was probably a very, very good one. And he was keeping to the logic of certain things. And that's exactly what it has to be. When you build a side, you build a rocket. Going up in space, you have to stick with the, with the logic. But then there is something like the human factor. And human factors, then we have the spiritual factor that goes with the human factor. So that is what I'm talking about. I don't remember if, if you recall. Uh, God, time is flying here. So, uh, but it ties in with the miracle bit. Because if you remember the flight with Captain Sullenberger, um, pilot, Sullenberger, or they called him Sully. And he was the pilot of that miracle landing on the Hudson River in the United States. And uh, which was truly a miracle, according to everyone. How he managed to land a plane on water and save all 155 passengers. It's absolutely incredible. Only a pilot with experience. And he was the best pilot who could have done that. He had been flying all his life. I believe today he's probably in his 70s. And this happened some year, maybe 10 years ago or something like this, or maybe longer ago. But it's so much sitting in so many people's minds because it was a true miracle to most, according to most people. He followed his experience and that was the truth about that. But what happened was that after this miracle had happened and everyone was safe, safe and in, you know, everyone was in perfect good order evidently, uh, maybe one or two, I mean, it was just part of the crew who tried to take care of things, that they was hurt in one way or the other. But everyone was saved. And the point is of this, now they're reconstructed on computers how this actually happened. Because the insurance company, maybe they wanted to prove that the pilot was a pilot error and nothing else, and not that the plane had really gone down because of birds getting into the engines. So they proved it on the computer and found 
well, no, according to all the data that had happened and occurred and that was fed into the into the data on the plane, according to that, he should have been able to fly safely down to the airport in New York. But he said it was impossible. The plane was going down. And they said, no, according to our data, you are wrong. It couldn't have been. They shouldn't have been done the way you did it. And then he came up with this. You forgot the human factor. The plane was not driven or handled or piloting by a data machine. It was piloting by human beings. We needed a certain time to react, to put out, you know, our instruments in a certain order so we could land. You haven't put that into your data. You have to change the data. Now they change the data according to the human factor. Now they saw they would have landed into buildings. Can you imagine what would have been like another 9-11? A plane flying into a building and what that and, you know, these buildings are tall in New York. It's not just a little building of ground, no. You can imagine what he did. He saved 155 people in exchange for thousands of people on the ground and in the building. So that is what it is. The true factor, you have to count the human factor into the truth also. And what I'm saying, logic is not everything. You cannot only depend on data for things because there is always something else called the human factor or the spiritual factor, the universal factor that is so much more than what we realize. Miracle is something that is caused by something supernatural in many ways. And we have that supernatural within us because it does not follow the mechanical rules. It's beyond the limitation of logic. So how could those miracles happen like the parting of the Red Sea, for instance. Well, I have, you know, I'm listening. I'm not saying it did not happen because in my logic it couldn't happen because I experienced myself a very, very similar miracle. If you read my book, the you know, Constant Awakening, I'm writing about that and I will never forget it. It sits there within me forever. And that was when I came in on that alpine road in a snowstorm. Well, the snowstorm was so active right then and there that I didn't know that they had closed that road. They closed it just at a certain time of the year automatically. I didn't see those signs because the snowstorm was so bad. So I took that road because I'd taken that road in the summer all the time and it was 
France, the quick, it would get me from France, across the Alps, into Switzerland, where I lived at the time, very quickly. Whereas the big road, I was flat and safe, was kind of leading around all those mountains and in through a valley from the beginning. And there was not much of, of, of any climb. But I was up there then. And of course, that happened, that happened. I ran out of, you know, gas somehow because I had been driving so slowly through that snowstorm and I had kind of allowed myself to put in, you know, to turn on the heat and everything else. So I couldn't. Eventually my car started to just freeze. I couldn't see it through the windscreen. I put my thumb just to keep a little peak hole on my windscreen, you know, to, so I could see out. But it was all white. I didn't even know if there was, you know, road in front of me. So it had to be slow, slow, slow. And then suddenly, I just gave up. I couldn't anymore. And I cried. And I prayed. I prayed, my God, I prayed. And I was not a person who was used to praying. And here, all of a sudden, there was just this gust of wind. Wind started to blow really strongly. And the road in front of me was clear. It blew clear. And somehow I could start my car again. I was out of gas practically, so I was rolling downhill and downhill. And the biggest kick of all, I landed at the border where they had a gas station. <laughs> and here people had to just help me push the last few yards to the gas pump. And as they said, where are you coming from? I said, from the road. And they said, well, that's a good kicker. You know, of course not. It's closed. You couldn't have been up there. Well, I was. I still don't know today how the heck I managed this. But somehow, a miracle was there for me. And that was, at that time, the biggest kicker in my life. The biggest, I should say, kicker, my biggest miracle. I believe very, very truly in miracles. And I describe more miracles. And people would say, why do miracles happen to you and not to me? Because I have an open mind. I think to have an open mind is the beginning of a miracle. We are so full of many dimensions on this, in this universe, I would say. This is layer and layer upon layer of dimensions around us. We don't know that because we haven't had the ability to understand that yet. But we are multidimensional beings. Our world is multidimensional. Our universe is multidimensional. And the more we start to realize, the more we'll understand what it is all about. And everything is coordinated somehow, the dimensions, and are part of it. This is so interesting. I'm going to speak more about this next time. But just be open-minded. 
That is the key word for everything, to have an open mind. I think this is such a nice thing to have. It makes you so happy. But things happen to you. Good things happen to you. Well, sometimes not so good things also. I have had more accidents probably than most people out there. I have managed to get through them and always learned something from those so-called accidents. And it has always made my life somehow a little richer. I'm talking about riches in experiences. And each experience has brought me more knowledge. And I'm saying me, but this goes for you too. I'm not alone in experiences like this. There are lots of people, lots of human beings, lots of individuals who have the same good experiences because they have an open mind. Free yourself from the chains of political ideas that it has to be a certain way or free yourself from the chains of your religion if it kind of closes you in into a box. Be free of that. Doesn't mean you're going to go naked in the streets. It's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying be free in your mind. Start to feel rich in a new way. Okay, we are going to meditate. And I would like to say I have two websites out there. They should function, hopefully. Sometimes they're hacked by not so good people because they don't like what I'm saying. They don't like what I'm doing. They're threatened by me. Unfortunately, you have this in the world. But so what? You just go and start all over again. So now my websites are www findingyourinnerlight.com findingyourinnerlight.com or www just to you get time to write bodysoulconnection.com and body b-o-d-y soul s-o-u-l s-o-u-l connection.com I hope to see you next time. Thank you so very much. We are now going to do a little meditation now. And relax. And relax. You close your eyes. This is a different meditation because we are going directly to your inner light. This is a source of information, of openness, of life, of love and light right within you. This is the I am the light energy. And this is your truth. This is your way. You breathe quietly. You inhale and exhale. You are at peace. You are very, very much at
peace now. I am the light. You catch that energy of light. You inhale it. That energy is your best friend. It keeps you well. It keeps your mind open. It is always there for you as long as you accept it as your friend. It is your best healer. Yes, it is. The light is your best healer. It is your I am, the truth energy. And you accept only the highest good for you and the world. You understand I am. Yes, I am. And you are more and more and more relaxed. And now you feel you're free. You are independent. And you walk out in nature. Connecting with the feelings of nature. And your own I am the light energy. So you feel so safe. And you look up and you see the sky. It's full of twinkling stars. They seem so alive somehow. And somehow you feel in your heart a strong connection to all these stars. And you relax some more and some more. Suddenly, you notice that one of the stars up in the sky is beginning to glow with a strong green light. You find so easy it is so easy to connect that with that big, bright green light up in the sky. It makes you smile. It makes you more and more and more relaxed as you inhale this shiny, bright light of green. This is the color of nature, of good healing health. And you inhale that and allow it to enter into your being and to go to all those places in your body where you feel you need strength, good, good, abundant strength. I am of the light. I am part of the light. I was created in the image of the light. That is old knowledge. Who is the light? What is the light? This is the original power. In the Swedish language, you have a wonderful word for this, which is urkraft. 
which is that original Urkraft. I think you say in German too. And I think you say Urkraft in Norwegian as well. Yes. This is the power people have called the God power. It lives within you as well and it shines. And now that yellow, that green star is now beginning to be that yellow star. It is now big and bright, so big and bright like a shiny sun. And you can inhale the power from that big, shiny circle or globe in the sky. It is all surrounded by all the other stars. And the big, shiny star is your star. Yes, it is your personal star. And now suddenly it opens up and it allows a big ray, a stream of light to come down across the starfish sky and it continues down towards earth and down pouring over you. You stretch your hands to receive that light and you help to distribute that light over your body. And you feel so good. You feel so in the light at this very moment. And you inhale the light. And now truly you feel, I am the light. This is my way. This is my truth. And suddenly, you feel so at ease, so very, very much at ease. And how you love the light. How you love the light. I am the light. You kind of dwell in that feeling of the light for a few seconds more. And now, slowly, slowly, when I come to seven, you will open your eyes again. You feel so safe now, so at ease. I am the light. Number one, two, three, four, five. You are now going to do this again on your own. You're going to be in the light. Yes. You're truly, truly going to be in the light again. No one needs to know but you. I am a shiny light. You feel that and you know that now. Only you need to know your own little secret that you are now in the light. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Your eyes are open. Wow. You are coming back to the here and now. And this is Helena Steiner-Holstein. 
Have a wonderful day today, tomorrow, the day after tomorrow. Make the whole week a wonderful week. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye.